to Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Roxy are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this very basement, wherein lurks every scary thing that has ever been, including a carafe of blood so that it can breathe before it gets drank, a termite that eats souls instead of wood, a book full of ancient curses and filthy language, and the ghost of a sailor who died in a fire and not at sea. <laughs> I'm Mikey McCaller. And I'm Roxy Polk. Roxy, let's start out, as we always do, with the scariest things that happened to us this week. What went down in your life outside the scary basement that spooked you to your bones? So I have a pair of reliable, trusty headphones I've been using mm. for multiple years, Mikey. And actually, you have bought the exact same pair somehow. These <laughs> are fate. good headphones. And they're also pretty cheap, so like they're very affordable squishy. by comparison. Yeah, they're squishy. They're like DJ style, so you can take the cord out without having to take them off, mm -hmm. and you can switch them around. They've been reliable for years, but finally they've started to flake on the ear pads and get gross, so I can't use them anymore. And I'm mourning their loss. They have died. Oh, death is scary. It is, especially for inanimate objects, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going into the unknown. And the truly scary thing, Mikey, is that it's a preview of what you're going to experience because <gasps> you have the exact same headphones. I'm looking into the future. So uh, that's okay. I'll buy. Don't get too attached. <laughs> okay, it'll, it'll work out. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Mikey? What has uh, happened to you this week? I'll tell you what's scaring me, Roxy. Disease. Yeah, that's very scary. Do you want to elaborate, or just the general nah, idea? It's just of a scary disease? <laughs> okay, here's what's going on. My right big toe has been just like kind of numb for like a week. Um, okay. So it doesn't sound good. Here's what's going on. I am confident. Okay. I'm confident it is because I pulled a muscle in my back. And it, when Googling these symptoms, it was like, oh, have you changed anything about your physical fitness thing? And I remember- yeah, You can really trust Google telling you. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> and then it's probably like, oh, yeah, you pulled it in your back because of no physical fitness, and then you're going to die and have cancer. Well, it did even worse than that. It said it could oh. be a pulled muscle in your back, or it could be diabetes, or it could be cancer. Or it could be uh -huh. demonic possession. There were just like a lot of things it could be. And each one is scarier than the last. Uh, one of those things is also not like the other. Uh, Mikey, have you <laughs> yeah, like, run afoul Diabetes. of any... <laughs> it's all that sugar. All that sugar you uh, eat and drink, Mikey, is catching up with you. I mean, I but do But also that eat old badly. crone you ran over. Right. She, she did rub my face and say, numb right toe. <laughs> yeah. You gotta stop running into her. She's... She's sick of it. Now she's just doing stuff that will mess with you by forcing you to go on to WebMD and think you have cancer, maybe. <laughs> That's the I, real psychological warfare curse. She also, um, like, hides behind my car. <laughs> so, like, she's oh. she's trying to get hit by me in, like, sneakier and sneakier ways. So she has a justified reason to curse mm -hmm. you because she, she just loves cursing me. you, I guess. <laughs> you know, may maybe she actually has a crush on you. It's that thing where, like, you know, you tease the person you like the most. Oh, my God. Mikey. Roxy? Could it be? She's, Mikey? The old crone is getting on an airplane right now. I have to stop her. <laughs> You're going to be stopped at security, though, unlike the movies from the 2000s before. <laughs> I... You can. You have to go through security. <laughs> well, instead of going to the airport, I'm going to stop and listen to the demon bot. For he has cut me off and is not allowing me out of the scary basement yet. 
What do you got for us, Demon Bot? Mikey and Roxy, this week you were assigned the 2014 film The Babadook, written and directed by Jennifer Kent and starring Essie Davis, Noah Wiseman, and Daniel Hanshaw. Did you watch the film, or are your souls forfeit? Roxy, did you watch The Babadook? I did. Yes, I watched The Babadook. Then you may keep your souls, for now. Oh, he's running away. <laughs> he said it, he, he it kind of like a mime. He was just like, for now, and then he uh, pedaled his way yeah, out. I've, I've never seen a robot do jazz hands until today. <laughs> and I gotta say, I'm pretty impressed. He's a lot more articulate than I thought he was capable of. Yeah, it turns out well, he maybe was- maybe I should be scared. <laughs> he was- he was he did have articulated fingers, but he had just been pressing yeah. them together, and they looked like hooves for so long. Yeah, he was waiting for the reveal, and uh, I gotta say, it had the effect it wa- he wanted to, I think. Yeah, it was stupendous. <laughs> Roxy, let's talk about the Duke. Yeah, all right. For anybody who is listening up at the cellar door, here is a plot recap, starting now. We open on Amelia, mid-car crash. She's being tossed all around while she watches her husband, Oscar, who does not survive the crash. We'll later learn this crash took place on the way to the hospital when Amelia was about to give birth to Sam, who is now her six-year-old son. She's brought him up all by herself. Sam's a weird kid. He makes his own weapons and is obsessed with the Babadook, a frightening man-creature from one of his storybooks with long, sharp fingers who wears a trench coat and a top hat. In the book, the Babadook promises that once you see what's underneath, you're going to wish you were dead. Amelia rips up the book and throws it in the trash. Sam develops a case of insomnia, and Amelia develops one right along with him. Soon, Sam begins acting even weirder, eventually pushing his cousin out of a treehouse after she makes fun of him for not having a dad. This family, man. This, of course, makes Amelia's sister Claire, seemingly Amelia's sole source of support, cut ties with her. After Sam sees the Babadook in the car and has a seizure, Amelia takes him to the doctor's where he is prescribed a powerful sedative. After one, just one peaceful night's sleep, Amelia wakes up to find the Mr. Babadook book reassembled and on her front porch. Only this time, it contains new pages. Pages that prophesy that Amelia will murder the family dog, Sam, and then herself. Amelia first burns the book. And then goes to the police, who can't do anything without the book. They're just like, oh, what are you you doing, ma'am? Here, Amelia starts to lose it. She gets angry at Sam, cuts the phone cord with a knife, and even sees the Babadook enter her body in a hallucination. Or was it a hallucination? It was. Amelia then hallucinates a dead Sam before going down into the basement, where an apparition of her husband demands she bring him the boy. Next, Amelia does murder the dog and tries to murder Sam, but the little weapons expert gets the better of her with a crossbow and tripwire, eventually tying her down and loving his mom so much she throws up the black slime that is the Babadook. Unfortunately, you can't ever get rid of the Babadook, so while we end with Amelia in a much better place, she's able to throw a birthday party for Sam and talk about the car accident that killed her husband, she does still have to go down to the cellar where the Babadook lives to bring him a bowl of worms. (laughs) And that, Roxy, is the Baba Duke. That is the Baba Duke. Duke. <laughs> yep, the Baba Duke. That is how they say it throughout the movie, right? Baba Duke. Baba Duke. Yeah, but he says Duke Duke because I think it's like the knocking noise oh, that he makes. Okay. But I didn't remember them saying it that way at all until this rewatch. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what? Okay. <laughs> Baba Duke. It's- yeah, shouldn't his name be Mr. Baba Duke Duke then? 
instead of Spabadoo. That sounds too much like Dookie. And that's yeah. Roxy, that's poop. I mean, already does. Well, Baba Duke. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> the Baba Duke is not a nice guy, so it wouldn't be. That's true. He is the, the human worst. embodiment of <laughs> poop. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Roxy, I think I love this movie more than any movie I've ever seen. Because it's the most recent movie you've ever because seen? Because it's the last movie I watched. <laughs> oh, yes. Yep. Uh huh. But I do, I think this movie is so, so funny. I think Funny. the kid is so weird and it's like oh my god hilarious how weird he is he is so awful there are like multiple times where he kind of like looks at the camera and I can't tell how much of it is like the kid acting too well or not acting good enough mm. because he comes across as such an annoying horrible little monster <laughs> that makes you never want to have children ever in your entire life yeah. and if you do have children be happy this is not your kid <laughs> Well, I will say that nightmare. is that is what I think is so great about this movie, and it's a story that I don't think is told very often. Like this is kind of a story about a mom who doesn't want to be a mom. Like she, or at least she wasn't prepared to be a mom on her own. Like that was never part of her plan, yeah. and then suddenly she was forced to have to do that. I do feel like there's this tendency to make certainly moms, but even like women in general, like there, it's the Madonna whore complex, right? You are either mm. the the worst, loosest, sluttiest lady, or you are history's be- most beautiful savior. And yeah. there's no in between. Like, this woman, Amelia, is kind of in the middle. She's just like, I kind of don't like my kid. Like, she's kind of going through this. They A couple characters, like, call her out. You know, she uh, when her sister, Claire, tells Amelia, she's just like, I don't want to be around your son. She's like, I can't believe you yeah. said that to me. She's like, you don't want to be around him either. Like, we never see stories about this. Like, it feels like parents, yeah. especially mothers, devote their lives to mo- their children in stories. We never get a ton of stories about, like, their interior lives, about what they're going through and how they're relating to motherhood. I love that. Yeah, I do very much like that part of this movie. The one thing that I don't like that this movie does is that the monster isn't real in the sense that it is a literal monster like the monster is i guess grief and (laughs) holding on to that grief and not moving on but i i'm very bummed out that he's not the babadook isn't a real creature with his own lore when they've literally set it up for him to have his own lore with a book and everything Uh it feels like it did the thing where it's just like oh it was a dream or oh yeah it was Mm. just all in the main character's head and i hate it when stories do that i realize it's like a personal preference that Mm. i can't stand it when that happens and that's the twist especially because then after this she still she brings the worms down to the cellar so then i'm like i i don't know what you're trying to say about it physically existing now is it is that still symbolism and do those worms that bowl of worms is going to be somewhere else or are you (laughs) actually even bringing it down there like do we think the bowl of worms is real? Yes. Well, that's interesting you say that. I think the Babadook is real. He's a creature, like a monster? Yeah. I thought it was just a symbolism of grief the entire time <laughs> by the time we got to the end of it. I mean, it definitely is. Because this- she like has basically a psychotic break, having mm-hmm. to deal with all of the pressure and everything she's been dealing with up until that point. And I thought they were just kind of being like, well, this is sort of symbolically what she's going through. It's like... Is the word hyper-reality? Like, the world of the movies are, like, hyper-reality, right? Where it's, like, not really all taking place in reality. It's more of the character's mind. Hmm. So then you sort of can't trust what you're seeing. Like, how much of this is real, we don't know. And we'll never know. Yeah, I I didn't get that sense from it. Okay, yeah. What was your... I thought it was that the Babadook was a real 
monster man. And it was like, okay. oh, and to me, it was like, oh, he's the dad. The Babadook is the dad. And we do get that, like, visually, like, literal literal. Yeah, there's a couple. Like, at least two different points with, like, his clothes and then... Yeah. The scene at the end where... Or not the end. Like, close to the end where she literally talks to an apparition of her mm-hmm. husband. Who demands her son. Yeah, and then I think again... He he says he again is like give me the boy, but then she refuses and yells back, and then it like chops his head mm-hmm. off, kind of. Oh boy, uh, does he? So, yeah, several times it shows up as the dad. Yeah, I. But I assume I mean, that was like the symbol of her symbolism of her grief going through, like not being able to let go of him and blaming her son for his death. She even says at one point, like, "Do you have any idea how many times I wish it was you instead of him?" Mm-hmm. This movie is uh, like so. I assume part of it. Was first that. of all, I think I think this is like the prototype for the kind of movies we have ended up watching for this time that we spend down here in the basement. Right? This is okay. This to me is like I feel like it kind of kicked off the trend that Scream Five sort of poked at, where mm-hmm. it's like movies now uh, horror movies aren't just about like cool kills anymore. They're about grief. <laughs> They're all about grief and trauma, and uh-huh. they are. And this movie, I think, kind of what you're pointing out is that this movie is not super subtle about it (laughs) it it is it is like a symbolism that is just like pointing at you the whole time to be like it's about grief you get it do you get that it's about grief and we do (laughs) (laughs) we do get it but yeah to to me and this is just my interpretation i don't know if it like because you're right it does read a little dreamlike throughout so many times like it I think the opening scene where she's in the car crash and then she's falling into her bed, they mm-hmm. do that like two different times. And it's like she's floating through the air. The way she's yeah. like, kind of moving her arms is like kind of dramatic. And like, obviously, that's not a space or like an action that could exist in reality. Mm-hmm. So I assumed it is in her dream, kind yeah. of like us falling into her dream world with her where mm-hmm. everything is kind of like not exactly as it seems, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely read it as like, the Babadook is real. He's a creature and his power is possession and he possesses the mom. And then the little boy ties her up and does so much love <laughs> that she fights it off. And it, like, cause like Touches seeing her, her like vomit up black juice. I was like, Oh yeah, yeah she, she has won. And that's the way they like do it visually. But it is like, I think that could be the Babadook's power. I guess That's it's just with that, too. Like, I can't trust that any of it is supposed to be mm. happening. It could all just be, like, metaphor, mm-hmm. I guess. And I think that's the thing that I don't like about this movie. Yeah. I think it does a lot of things that I find interesting, but that part of it just kind of, like, kills the interest I have for this movie. So, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> really you hate say the that. Babadook. I mean... That's homophobic. I don't... It's not... <laughs> So actually, I'm fuck. I forgot. I wanted to look up like how the evolution of Babadook himself becoming a gay icon because that is my favorite part about the Babadook. Yeah, I actually don't know how that happened, um, but I do like yeah. it. I remember just like being at conventions and people literally made like gay pride Babadook merch, and I was like, yes, more of this. Even though I don't know how it started, I love it. Uh- He's so cool, the Babadook. I love this movie with my whole heart. Um, because it's the the thing that it's about is so clear, and I almost felt like 
you know, last week we watched The Exorcist and that was a, yes. a struggle for me to like, I, I don't know what this movie is saying. And I was like doing a mm-hmm. lot of work <laughs> to try and, you know, mental work to try and figure it out. Yeah. The Babadook, it's like you kick your feet up, you get a cute little story about grief with a weird kid and then you go on your way. <laughs> cute. I don't know. <laughs> it's so cute. But uh, yeah. I think that that kid is very cute. Until it's, he like screams. I'm like enamored by everything he does. <laughs> Screaming the, is funny. It, He's very <laughs> so he's very expressive. He has like a giant mouth and he has giant eyes. Yeah, he so does. like whenever he's doing anything, uh, <laughs> especially when he's just like screaming, even though sometimes see that's the thing where I'm, I don't know if this is a good kid actor or a bad kid actor yeah. because he's acting more like natural in a bad kid way, which is mm-hmm. still like we we talked about this a bit with Chucky with the main kid actor yeah. Chucky, how it's kind of like he feels naturalistic because he's sort of he, he's still just like six years old, so mm-hmm. you're not going to be that great an actor when you're six years old, no matter what. Um, <laughs> yeah. But he feels naturalistic in that sense because he is still like playing the role. <laughs> I will say there so- is um, the casting director of the show This Is Us somehow uh-huh. finds these child actors. Like they had a three-year-old in a scene on This Is Us, and it was just like he was objectively the best actor in the episode. It was just incredible. The things there – Wow. Able okay. to do That's with impressive. child actors. But go on. Sorry. Yeah, actually, so I, I did see like a little featurette thing with the director talking about like how she made this movie and also her other movie, The Nightingale, which I have not seen. Hmm. Um, And how there's like the part where the mom is like, she's kind of posed like the Babadook when she's been possessed. Mm-hmm. And she like glides across the floor towards her son. Mm-hmm. And says, like, these horrible things to him. Yeah. And the director is like, we couldn't actually have her yelling at the child like that because that would be considered child abuse. So <laughs> instead, we just had her yelling to, like, an actor who was just, like, kind of crouched down so she could get into it. And then for the kid's reaction shot that we turned around, it, like, he knew he was acting. We'd be like, okay, so we need to get you into the mindset. So imagine I took your favorite Legos and then scream at me like you hate that. <laughs> because he's, like, obsessed with Legos, apparently. So, like, that's how the director got him to, like, give that reaction So shot. cute. Oh, he loves Legos. Which is very funny to think about. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm sure you have to do other tricks like that. Like you were talking about with this three-year-old actor kid. Like you have to find different ways to get the things you want Mm -hmm. out of child actors, which uh, can't be easy. I can't imagine. I don't like being around children in general, but getting them to do (laughs) what they need to do. No, no, no. (laughs) I would, I would argue that this kid's performance is pretty successful because I don't think you're supposed to like him. (laughs) I think that we are in in order to connect with uh, Amelia's story. Like she, that's what she's going through. She's like, I got this kid and I don't much care for him. Yeah. I think also because they make that shift, like the, the writing, the cinematography, everything does a very good job at showing you like how annoying, oppressive and draining Mm. everything in her life is. And the main source of it is that kid. Like if that kid wasn't there draining the life out of her practically, Mm -hmm. For real, you know, like her job at the nursing home wouldn't feel as like claustrophobic and like her sister wouldn't be like ostracizing and pitying her mm-hmm. with like her sharply dressed fembot friends <laughs> who were like at the party <laughs> in that one scene. And like she wouldn't be feeling like the grief and loss of her husband having like a physical manifestation to blame or yeah. remind her of, especially because like he was born the same day he died. <laughs> like, how do you even... How do you even deal with something it's, that it's very that funny when like <laughs> tragedy you, you're, you're, stacks on top of other tragedies yeah. like that? 
We talked a bit about it in Hereditary, how, like, when she goes to that meeting, talking about all the things that happened in her family history, yeah. and it's just this nightmare laundry list that everybody there is just, doesn't even know what to say afterwards. <laughs> they just kind of stare, and they're like, that that sucks. <laughs> Too bad, man. What do you, yeah, what do you say? Um, and then they kind of switch it. Uh, they also did it this week on uh, This Is Us, where a character oh. was like, yeah, I was married before. I had a wife. She was blind. And also, we couldn't have kids. She was okay. sterile. And then finally, she said, I'm leaving you. And she left. And then she got hit by a car. Like, yeah! Very tragic. That's like, what's the most tragic thing you can think of? Okay, write it real quick to like get an emotional reaction out of people. <laughs> it feels so cheap. And she had a little uh, no, baby dog I don't dog think it was cheap in, in this movie, but... Yeah, there you go. And uh, it was she was one day away from retirement, also. <laughs> and she was uh, gonna gonna get that prize. She was gonna get an award. Too old for this shit. But being alive. Yeah. So they kind of like switch the narrative where you're following Amelia as like the main character, and then it feels more like you're following the kid, where he is like literally home aloneing his own mother by setting up traps mm-hmm. and making contraptions and like. Doing all this stuff to like literally <laughs> fight his own mother. That uh, was which I is think, absolutely insane. That was my favorite part of the movie is they pull off this interesting little trick where early in the movie they set it up like I'm gonna we're gonna protect each other. And yeah. when the mom is possessed by the Baba Duke, the little boy becomes the parent. It's like really nice. It's like this really sweet moment where he's like, okay, I understand what I need to do. Or it's more like he he's honoring the promise they made, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know if I go so far as to say he's the parent, but he's just like, I'm going to stick to this. Like, even with my kid logic and everything, like, I love my mom and I promised my mom I'd do this thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do this thing. Yeah. Even though like so, ma- so many times when he said he would do other things or she asked him to do other things, he wouldn't do it. <laughs> so it's like, I guess this is where he draws the line. Yeah. Uh, which, lucky for Amelia, that is what he did because <sighs> he ends up uh, exercising the Babadook metaphorically, literally, mm-hmm. either way. Emotionally. <laughs> yeah. There is something like, this kind of story will always hit for me. Mm-hmm. We should not suppress our feelings. We should get our feelings out there. And it can be the simplest, most childish version of that. I don't think this movie is necessarily childish, but like we've said a bunch, it's, uh, we get it. We get the themes. <laughs> they are very clear. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm just like enwrapped. I'm like, yeah, you're right. We should be emotionally suppressive. Or we should stop suppressing our emotions. Yeah. Yeah, because you gain nothing from it other than just like hurting yourself mm-hmm. at that point. Because like her sister says the husband died like, six years ago or seven because Mm -hmm. he's turning seven he is six he's turning seven so it's like it was seven years ago and she's like i am over it i keep telling everybody like i don't talk about i don't talk about him like i don't talk about him doesn't mean you're over it girl but that's what she (laughs) thinks it means she's like yeah if i just keep ignoring it and not confronting it and like doing what i'm supposed to do which is working being a mother trying to be like a sister to you she's on autopilot Mm-hmm. She's not really, like, confronting and dealing with her life. Yeah. And apparently she's been able to do that for, like, you know, seven years right. somehow and then snaps, which I, if I was in her position, I wouldn't have lasted seven years right. doing that shit. I would have snapped way, way quicker. But that's what's so powerful to me about this, like, the vomit scene. <laughs> <laughs> All of those feelings are finally being expunged. Like, it's just such catharsis that, like, it's, like, 
the ending works for me so well because you can just like see this relief on her face almost. She's just like so content. She's just like, yeah, my husband, he had himself a little bit of a death. And <laughs> and we're dealing with it the best we can. Her son being such a weird little kid <laughs> and how he said something really weird to child protective service agents who are there mm-hmm. when she's talking to him at the end, like for the birthday party. And she's just like, oh, yeah, my husband always spoke his mind, too. Like, he takes after him. Yeah. So being able to realize that, like, yeah, he is, he is like that, but there's a reason why he's like that. And you shouldn't be, like, trying to squash his uniqueness. Mm-hmm. You should be able to accept it. And make sure it doesn't smash your windows in the process, too, <laughs> of course. But, you know, tr- try to embrace that, accept it, and let him be his own person, yeah. I guess. And she's finally, like, kind of learned to do that, like accepting he is his own person and yeah he's gonna take something from both of us and he's not just like a burden that i have to deal with because i'm supposed to because that's what mothers are supposed to do oh the the that last scene where he like performs magic is so Uh lovely like he's the movie had kind of threaded this little this little bit of like this kid being obsessed with magic and doing tricks yeah and at the end when she like she's kind of like brushing him off and ignoring him and she's like i'm trying to focus on your fucking behavior problems mm-hmm. the ending of this movie is she sits down and pays attention to him and he does literal magic like it made me <laughs> so emotional <laughs> He's like, yeah, and it's at his birthday party, the first birthday party he's ever had by himself. That wasn't a joint birthday party with his cousin. There's nobody else there. It's just the two of them Mm -hmm. because he doesn't have any friends. And like, she's not going to invite the cousin who he pushed out of the treehouse for (laughs) obvious reasons. But so it's just to like, yeah, let him have a birthday party for himself and let him do magic for me because that's what he wants to do. Yeah. And it just feels like, like, the the trick he does, he, like, makes a dove appear out of his hands. Like, it's kind of yeah. insane. And Yeah, that's that's another, like, of the hyper-reality. <laughs> right. Like, that probably yes. didn't happen, but, you know, but symbolically just, in her heart, that's yeah, as seeing much as he did. The true extent of what your kid can do now that you're finally able to, like, see him as himself, and instead of, like, this reflection of your grief and sorrow, mm-hmm. that's so lovely. Even this, like, idea of the Duke still, like, living in the, the basement, you know? Grief never leaves us. It's better some days. Yeah. And it comes and goes. I don't know. I just, like, I love the way this movie talks some- about it. Yeah, and it, grief <laughs> eats worms. I just didn't. If they just didn't do the worms part, it's just like, okay, so is he a physical presence or you're just, like, dumping buckets of worms in your basement? Is that what's happening? Or were the worms even real at all? And that part's just symbolism. <laughs> But yes, I think I I do love the concept of being it like, yeah, grief doesn't leave you. You just learn how to deal with it and manage it mm-hmm. and like put it in your life in a perspective that is healthier for you. Yeah. Oh, it's lovely. Because, yeah. <laughs> I will say also the line that I think really worked for me in the Babadook book is it says, uh, mm. once you see what's underneath, you're going to wish you were dead. What's underneath, you know, his trench coat or whatever. Uh-huh. And- just re- thinking about this poor woman who has like lo- that's what that was the moment when I was like oh it's the dad her husband is the Baba Duke because once you see what's underneath this grief it's this man that you love it's like of course she would wish she was dead she wishes she was there with him and that's why like yeah suicide as this threat that she was going to become a family annihilator like yeah is really intense <laughs> really like uh it's so upsetting because you can 
kind of track how she got there. Like, this is what her, yeah. her illness is doing to her. And it feels like it's on the table throughout. Like, I remember the very first time watching this movie, like, being so unsettled because it's like, yeah, she might not beat this. <laughs> it was, it felt, it never felt like, I don't know, we, we're pretty good at, like, watching horror movies now and can kind of tell, like, oh, yeah, Nev Campbell's probably not going to die and scream. Like, we we know she's going to make it out. Like, I never got any sense of security from this movie. I thought anything was on the table, and I was real upset about it. Yeah, I think having that hanging over your head is quite, quite effective, <laughs> as, that this mu- movie uses it to its advantage, I think, especially because, like, was this the director's first kind of breakout movie? I'm sure she's been directing plenty of stuff before this, but That's this was the first thing by her question. that I had seen. I, I really just hearing you talk about the Nightingale, I was like, oh, of course this director has made other movies, and I'm sure I'm going to love them also. <laughs> Jennifer Kent. So it's kind of like you don't know what to expect from movies by this director to like mm-hmm. use that as a context clue. Like, for instance, if you're watching a Shyamalan movie, now you know that something's going to happen (laughs) where you're like, you have an expectation going into it. So especially also, this is an Australian movie with Australian actors. I assume the director is also Australian, but I don't actually know. I think she is. No one will ever know. It's 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 the kind of fact that we can't uncover. (laughs) Yeah. I think it definitely like going into it. You don't know what to expect from it, especially because like, I remember when this first came out, it was very, talked about Mm -hmm. and everything too so you're like oh are people talking about like this being a huge new thing because like literally nobody's gonna make it out of this Uh (laughs) that way which definitely adds to the creep factor boy does it oh i'm so excited to watch the nightingale now i've heard it's a hmm (laughs) what's the word i'm looking for bad no not bad it's just a a lot some people walked out for not not because it's bad. Intense. That was the word mm. I was looking for. I've heard people say it's very intense. Um, yeah, for the Babadook. It will not be delightful like the Babadook yeah. is what I will say. <laughs> the Babadook is very silly and fun. Like, I think this is a very fun movie. Uh, just like all of the bizarre little choices that like the kid makes. And they, <laughs> I think they play it for comedy a lot. Uh, like the scene where she like shouts at him, like, why can't you just be normal? And he just screams at her is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. That's like a nightmare. I'm just like, I never want children. (laughs) It's so terrifying. He's so horrible. And then he like has a seizure or something after that, doesn't he? And then they go to the hospital and it's like, okay. Yeah, what's wrong with him? His face when he's screaming. The face when he's screaming, it's both funny and just like the worst thing you've ever seen (laughs) at the same time. It's like, (laughs) I don't know how they do it. They just do it. (laughs) I like the idea that his medical diagnosis is this child is full of grief (laughs) (laughs) this kid just wants to make home alone contraptions i prescribe him making two catapults he's good at it tripwire he's good at it too he's got good traps traps are hard (laughs) they are uh kevin McAllister could learn from him that's like something i did not remember from like having watched it the first time i was like there's literally a home alone scene Multiple Home Alone scenes in this movie. Like, the kid just becomes Kevin McAllister, but in a horror movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty tight. It's a tight movie. (laughs) Uh, Roxy, do you have a question for me? Yes, I do. So, Mikey, my question to you is, what was a scary piece of media you saw as a child? Mm. Something that really stuck with you, a childhood horror, if you will. For whatever reason, the Uh McDonald's mascot, the Moon Man. 
scared me <laughs> okay. so much. Do you remember him? Do you remember what he looks like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like he has a giant or something. Head. He has a giant uh-huh. head that is a crescent moon, and he wears sunglasses and smiles. And then he has like a human sized body. <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah, wearing a suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the the head is so disproportionately gigantic. I think he plays like jazz or something. Yeah, like he's that. like playing uh Mac the knife, except he calls it Mac tonight. Wait. Oh, Mac tonight. Wait, Mac the knife? Yeah, it's like this old like knife. jazz number. Oh, okay. That's terrifying. That he has the word knife in his name. But then he changed it to like it's Mac tonight, like McDonald's okay. tonight, dude. I it is. I remember seeing that guy. <laughs> he's on like a cup that I think we had. <laughs> It's so scary. I'm watching. I pulled it up on YouTube right now, and I'm literally like tensing up. Like I don't know what oh it is God, about this. God. I remember as a child screaming when Moon Man commercials would come on. Oh no! Hiding behind my mother. <laughs> this is fucking scary. Oh God! You should okay. send it to me. Can you send it to me? Is there audio that we can give our listeners here? Or boy, is there? God damn! <laughs> I hate it, Roxy. <laughs> I just saw the little okay, thumbnail popped is. up in our Discord chat. I saw him again. Yeah, and he was like, Fuck you. It's a 30 second commercial. I just remember being a little boy in my room, lying in my bed, looking out the window, thinking, like, what if he just comes? What if he just. Appears? I mean, it is nighttime, right? He's, he's like the, literally the moon. He's like kind of flying, so he can, I guess, travel wherever he needs to go. It's so funny because this commercial is like not scary at all, I know. but like I can understand how like the design and the fact that it's like a guy in a suit. Ugh. Yeah, like Mac tonight. <laughs> All right. What is what is uh, your childhood fear, Roxy? That much like the Baba Duke got in your head and freaked you out. Okay, so what do you know about the TV show Ghost Rider, Mikey? Oh, nothing at all. <laughs> nothing at all. Okay, so it was the show about like a group of kids who had like this character called ghost rider who would like help them solve mysteries okay but there was a two-part episode called attack of the slime monster okay that had this horrible thing here i'm gonna send you and we will have it in the show notes <laughs> but also if you just type in ghost rider slime monster you will see it for yourself um yeah there you go oh no uh, it was this horrifying creature. oh no <laughs> this is upsetting um that was actually designed by God. I can't remember his name. If I had like Mikey written McCaller. this, up. that's right. Yes, it was Mike. me who made this little creep. But so the guy who designed this, he worked on like a bunch of horror movies. So he's like a mm. legendary horror monster designer guy. And I don't know why. I hope that Ghost Rider paid him a lot for this <laughs> because this thing was absolutely horrifying. It's like this melting ooze monster with like bugged out eyes. Yeah. It looks kind of and like he's got these horrible teeth and he like barfs more of the purple <laughs> goop everywhere. And he's like in a suit, kind of like an outfit. Ugh. Like I think he's like human sized, I believe. Here, let me look at this again. Yeah, yeah, he's human. He's kind of like human sized, like small human size, kind of like a he's like a Chucky doll size at one point and then like a real person size at one point. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm looking at him. He's got like a man body sometimes. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's absolutely terrifying, and um, <laughs> this is very scary. And this was just on television; if, they were just allowed to. Yes, put this, this was on horrible creature. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was even like normal TV, and it's in a kid show, and uh, it he's haunting. I don't like. <laughs> it's it. like in '95, I think I can't remember if I saw it in '95. Probably a little bit later, 
on like reruns or something. So like, I don't even know, you know, when I saw this as a kid, I don't even know if I saw like both parts together. I think I only saw like one episode of this. So I either didn't get closure or I was seeing the end part. Oh, <laughs> like when he like no. caused even more damage. So either way, it's not good. Uh, would not recommend Ghost Rider Ooze Monster when you are a tiny child. Yeah, this needs to, uh, like, listen, I'm a peaceful man. If I saw this oh. thing in real life, I would kill him. <laughs> I would have to kill him. As you should. As you should. He's going to try and ooze you. I think he also, like, got rid of the cast members. I think they all came back in the end. But I think he, like, deleted them or, like, absorbed what? them or something. So, <laughs> deleted them? <laughs> I can't quite remember how it worked out. I need to rewatch it. I think I was too terrified to try and... I get it. Yeah, Roxy. Remember it? Relive you it? haven't watched TV since you saw this episode. Yeah, just never again. It's not scary. since 1995. <laughs> never seen a TV show. Now, Roxy, if I saw this thing in real life, I would kill it, as we well know. And speaking yes. of as you should. things in real life, on a scale from one to nine, with ten not being on the scale because it doesn't exist in the scary basement, who knows what happened to it? How likely... Would you say the events of the Baba Duke are to happen in real life? So I said nine out of nine that somebody will like have grief so bad that <laughs> they will break from it and either get over it or not. <laughs> you know, yep. that stuff happens every day, unfortunately. Uh, so what about you, Mike? I also said nine. This is the first ever confident nine I've given. Oh, really? Yeah. Just because all like those other nines just you didn't believe in it. <laughs> <laughs> this is all one big metaphor. This is okay, all one yeah. big metaphor for a thing that absolutely happens. Very Family true. annihilators, unfortunately, are real. It happened to a professional wrestler. Suicide, obviously real. Being overwhelmed by grief, obviously real. Uh, worms, real. All these things are real. Mm-hmm. Uh, Babadook, real. Th- this is a documentary. Yes. <laughs> About the old Babadook. <laughs> they, don't, they don't tell you that at the beginning, but it's in the, uh, the notes yeah, right I was really Stay till the end of the credits, and then they'll say it. I was disquieted when it came up based on true events, and I said, uh, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> Roxy, last week we made a bet over sure did. the number of times the word Babadook would be said aloud. I said four. Yes, and I said nine. The answer According to the PDF of the script and my control effing through the word Babadook, and only counting times it appears in dialogue, not in scene directions, or stage directions, rather. Roxy, they say it 17 times. 17 times, okay. There's a lot of bobs in this duke. Yeah, because the kid, like, gets really obsessed with him, and he keeps screaming about him, and then she's <laughs> like, no Babadooks anymore. <laughs> you are done saying Babadook, young man. And the... Was it the sisters? Like he kept talking about the Babadook. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, do say it a lot of times. All right, I guess I am just. It is very funny for uh, <laughs> an adult woman to just be like, "This fucking kid won't stop talking about the Babadook." <laughs> just got Babadook on the brain. <laughs> so uh, you're going to take that point, which puts our score one tie, eighteen to eighteen. Something okay. will happen at thirty. Back to the tie again, though. I did it. Yep, I'm caught this up. Week. All right. I'm proud of you. Thanks. I'm proud of me too. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Here's someone I'm not proud of, though. The demon bot oh. clomping over to tell us information. Doing the jazz hands, too. I think he's uh, <laughs> delighted that he's learned this new ability. Good for him. Mikey and Roxy, you have successfully reviewed the Babadook. Your souls are safe for another week. 
For next week, you must review the 1999 film The Blair Witch Project, directed by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez and starring Heather Donahue, Michael C. Williams, and Joshua Leonard. If you do not, I will make you stand in the corner in the basement as I claim your bodies as my own. Ooh. Are you excited to watch The Blair Witch Project, Roxy? I am. I haven't watched this since it like originally came out on VHS, I'm pretty sure. Oh, damn. <laughs> this, a very spooky viewing experience. <laughs> I think this might have been the last VHS I ever purchased, because I also owned it on VHS. Oh, oh okay. And you The Sixth Sense, nice. which came out just a couple months afterwards, I remember being one of my first DVDs. Really? Okay, so it was right on the cusp. Yeah. I think it was like 1990. I, I shouldn't be saying this. I don't know. We'll figure it out when DemonBot tells us in post. <laughs> and again, it's impossible to know. <laughs> it's yeah, impossible no to know this information. Know. <laughs> so let's make a bet about this Blair Witch Project. Yes, let's make a bet. Okay. So one of the things I do vaguely uh, in my child brain remember was that there is a scene with like some stick people and maybe multiple scenes mm -hmm. where like the Blair Witch has created some stick people figures out of twigs <laughs> they're very spooky um so how about we guess how many stick people are in the entire movie great okay i will say <clears throat> 12 stick people okay i am going to swing big and say 25 jesus christ it's a whole lot of stick people. People are waist high in stick people <laughs> wading yes. through. It's like when you when you wake up and your basement's flooded. And it's like, honey, <laughs> stick figures. We got stick people. We got stick people everywhere. I am very excited gotta to watch call this the movie. plumber. The pact has been sealed. I mean, the bet is confirmed. Whoever is closest to the number of stick people in the film shall be declared the winner. The winner will receive an all-expenses-paid getaway in the luxurious Ruston Park Cabin Resort. Now, uh, Roxy, remember, the Blair Witch Project is not real. It Are seems you sure? I very saw real. that documentary. <laughs> it looks like a documentary. It's shot like a documentary. But I don't they want you to get it too it as scared. a documentary, and I think it was like on MySpace or something. They had like social media that the actors died. Who was, they were as the characters. <laughs> that rules. <laughs> so good i can't wait <laughs> although i will say the blair witch is real because she is currently skulking about here in the scary basement yeah i'm real. she keeps telling us to like look into corners and me and mike you're like there's no corners there's just everywhere like it just goes on forever down here so even if i did want to do what you're saying which i don't want to do by the way yeah. Miss blair witch lady lady blair witch whatever you go by uh we couldn't physically couldn't yeah so i i just she's I, always complaining about it i knew right away from day one in the scary basement I'm not going to look in any corners. I'm going to avoid them. <laughs> the one thing we don't have to worry about. <laughs> Roxy, we've been talking about a lot of scary things, right? Oh, boy. Babadooks, have we? Grief. Black slime, etc. Let's talk about something that's making Purple us slime, happy. Even. We had a lot of different slimes covered <laughs> this week. Slime, yeah. <laughs> I say we wrap it up by talking about something that's making us happy. What's going good in your life? What's bringing you joy? So something that's bringing me joy is the... Uh... It's a, it's a very small thing. <laughs> it's free food, Mikey. <laughs> I love food. <laughs> My roommate occasionally gets like free food from his job. And so it's really nice to have like a free little snack that is generally like a uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich puck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What? <laughs> These things called Uncrustables here. I'm going to hear some uh, great ASMR for you guys. I'm showing Mikey. Oh, I do love an Uncrustable. Yeah. 
sponsored by Uncrustables. I'm <laughs> so <laughs> fucking sick of crust. Well, hey, get one of these it's and you never have to such eat such bullshit <laughs> that they still make crust on bread. Uh, but so it's it's nice. I get to get like a fun little snack for free, which brings me back to one of the biggest pieces of advice I got from a college professor that was, he told us, never turn down free food. Like if you can get free food, you should eat it. <laughs> which yeah. of course, it's when you're a college student and you don't have any money. So that was when he meant to say it with the most amount of weight, I'm sure. <laughs> but that has continued with me even as an adult, except for if you are in a magical world, then never eat the food. Right. But other than that. Free food, if you're being given it, yes. Please do. Please eat it. <laughs> but uh, what about you, Mikey? What is making you happy this week? Mine is also a food thing. And it's just, what? in general, <laughs> cooking. I've been cooking lately. Oh, well, that's wonderful. Yeah, I've been making myself, uh, you know, I'll go to the grocery store and I'll buy enough food for two meals. So I'll okay. cook myself, you know, a little chicken breast, a little uh, mashed potatoes, a little uh, asparagus. And I'll cut it in half, and I'll have half for dinner, and I'll put the rest in a little Tupperware, bring it with me to work the next day. <laughs> oh, man. That's perfect. Look at you. You're being yeah. a responsible adult, and planning then when I, ahead. As I'm walking home, I'll stop on the grocery store kick, and I'll get uh, dinner for that night. That's wonderful. How good. Do you live, like, that? close by to a grocery store, so it's, like, really easy? Or? I do, yeah. I've been uh, walking to the coffee shop, which is what I call going to work. Where I where oh, I write at. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, I'll walk there. I'll sit down. I'll open my little laptop. I'll do my ticky-tipky typing. I'll type it mm-hmm. up. I'll work hard. My grandfather was a <laughs> laborer. He would be ashamed of me. <laughs> hey, you're laboring. You're just over a I keyboard. go to work. I, I tickety-type my little jokes. And then I walk back home. But on the way home, I can swing by either a Target or a Food for Less, the numerical four. And I'll oh. buy I'll buy a little uh, little meat, a little side, a little veggie. Cook it That's up. That's delightful and sounds so healthy, Mikey. Look at you. Yeah, I'm a good person. I need to get on your wavelength. That sounds like a really cool, <laughs> good, responsible, yeah, cost-effective thing to do. It's been fun. I like it. Roxy, have you learned to cook new things? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I, okay, just, that's fine. I just put salt and pepper on meat, and that's it. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, salt and pepper goes on meat. That's just the secret to cooking it's easy you heard it here <laughs> you heard it here we just spoiled cooking for everybody it's just yeah, salt on me big spoilers <laughs> roxy each week the demon bot hires a new monster to guard the basement door and keep us from escaping and yet each week we still escape this week i brought along a gun oh okay so you have brought a shotgun before which gun is this i can't it's see. just a little pistol gun okay so I'm what gonna are you just, gonna do with that pistol gun? i'm gonna shoot whatever monster is out there Okay, it's not like you're, you set up some sort of, like, contraption where it's like you knock down a thing and then it dominoes around. What is the name for that? Oh, There's a Rube Goldberg machine? machine? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. I, I definitely think I have a tendency to overthink my methods of killing <laughs> the guards. Okay, yes, yeah, so just straight up So a now gun. I was just like, I'm just going to go buy a gun. So let's go see what's out there. I'll open the trap door. Okay. Oh, boy. Roxy. It's the legendary all-beast Cthulhu. Oh, okay. He is massive and everything. Well, I have a feeling he won't even notice that you shoot him, let alone let it do any damage. There's got to be... No, Mikey, stop. No, we can try and find a rune down here or some sort of statue. All right. Mikey! Got him. (laughs) He's dead. Got him how? He's dead. Yeah, I I don't believe you. He died. Are you sure he's not just making you see what he wants you to see? No, come on. He can, like, make you hallucinate. That's his corpse. I don't know if... Okay, I'm going to peek out here. I don't know. 
Wait, Mikey, this isn't Cthulhu. This is a squid. Oh. It's a squid beast. Oh. I mean, I can see how you got confused, oh, but one of them this. is a gigantic cosmic horror. I always do the this. The other one is a small little sad squid with a little knife. Yeah, I should have known it wasn't Cthulhu when he was very small. I mean, that's good for us that we can actually leave alive this week, but uh, you have to live with the consequences of your actions, Mikey. Oh, God, I did kill a little squid, huh? Yeah. Mm. Well, see you next week! 